I am praying and believing that God will bless his word. I want his word to be blessed. I want, him, I want the Lord to do a work. I, you know, my, my, my heart's desire, honestly, is that someone would say to me after we're done here, they would say, now I believe. Not because of what you said, Scott. No. No, because I've heard him myself, and I know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. That's, that's a beautiful response. Amen? Amen. Somebody raise your hand if you have ever been in a tornado. Raise your hand. Ever been in a tornado? Okay. A lot of people. Not tons, but lots. Raise your hand if you've ever have been like in or close to in the situation of a flood. All right. Um, some of these, I, I'm thinking of all the natural disaster kind of things. I know there's a lot of them. Um, this one, I'm, I, I'm, you may not have even had been part, but if you've been around a mudslide, anybody here? Jonathan has. Someone else has. A few people have, yeah. How about a hurricane? Anybody? There have been a few around hurricanes. Wow. Sure, of course. Louisiana people especially. I, I would doubt anyone has been around a tsunami, but has anybody even been around a tsunami? No? Ever seen the tsunami? Like the, you have been around a tsunami. Oh, my goodness. Here's, here's the thing that's amazing about those situations. Um, when that happens, when the winds howl, when the earth, oh, how about earthquake? Did we already say that? No? I didn't. Earthquake. Wow, a lot of earthquakes. When the earth quakes... And uh, when the earth moves and when the, there is truly a roaring of the waters, um, it, it's amazing how, how tiny, how small, how insignificant we really, really appear to be, right? I mean, it's, it's so big, you can't, there's no way you can stop it or, or push back against it. Or sometimes you can't even really find a place to hide. It's difficult. All those things. And you just think about the power of a natural disaster. Now, tonight we're talking about our topic is breaking fear. I've got a lesson planned. I've got it in front of you. We're going to dig into it with the Lord's help. He's going to bless us to really understand what fear is good, what fear is bad, what God thinks about it, and what we should do with our fear. That, I, that's what we plan on doing. That's where we're going. But I, I have to, the Lord kind of stopped me before I get there because there's a chapter in the Bible I want you to read. Now, I have come to the understanding this week for the first time. Um, well, I, I've known it, but I've not really known it. There's a rabbi, a couple of rabbis that have talked about how the Bible was originally written to be read out loud. That when it, was, um, when it was presented even to the churches, it was read to them on scrolls. They read it, but there's something about the voice with the word. There's something about the storyteller with the story. It's intended to be read. And, and, and their understanding, this is the rabbis, they believe that reading the word 
is just as important as speaking the word, reading the word to yourself out loud. And so we're going to do that. I want you to get a hold of a Bible. If you don't have one, get your phone or get your neighbor or get your neighbor's neighbor or just move around. Find a spot. Get to Psalm chapter 46. Now, we're still talking about breaking fear, right? Fear is our topic and breaking that fear. Psalm chapter 46. If you don't, if you can't find it, raise your hand. If you need a minute, raise your hand. If you're not sure if it's okay, someone help Scott back there. He's looking for it. He's wanting to find it. Anybody else? He's at least honest. Anybody else need help with it? Psalm 46. If you have it, raise your hand. If you have a hand, raise your hand. Wow, there's a lot of people. I, it's shocking. I haven't had 100 percent yet. It's amazing. I have, I have found a thing I need to pray for. God, there's people that can't raise their hand in this church. Help them, Lord. <laughs> they just don't have the ability. <laughs> We're going to have a healing service one of these times. Be like, both hands are be up. Wow. All right. Are you ready now? Okay. I've got the new King James, so hopefully it doesn't mess you up. I think we're pretty close. God, hold on. Let's start again. Ready? We're going to read together out loud. That means you and me together. Ready? Here we go. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be cast into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar thereof and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling Salah. Now that Salah, or Salah, as it's correctly pronounced, it, it's not real clear what it means. The best they can understand, it's like a musician's note that can mean to lift up your eyes or to take a rest. Or we kind of have it, it, a version of it in this church. When the singers are singing, right, and the musicians are playing, and then pastor or someone does this little thing. And that's a, that's a sign that keep playing, we're going to stop singing. We're just going to worship for a minute. We're just going to think about what those words we just sang are about. Or the words we just read. That's what that is. Pause and think about the Lord. Stop talking and just look up at what you just said. What did we just say? He's a refuge. He's a strength. Did you know that every animal, when it gets afraid, it goes to its refuge? Every animal, every creature on the planet, every little fish darts into its hole. Every rabbit finds its place. Every bird gets into its nest. Where, where do we go? God is my refuge. <laughs> God is my refuge. Hit, hit, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a high tower. I run to that and I hide myself in the high tower. That's who that is. He's a, he's a very present help in trouble. That means he's in the trouble with me. He's there. Not far away that I have to call and get to come and or call and wait for him to show up. He's there already with me. Even though the worst possible natural disaster that you said that you saw, earthquakes and mudslides and tornadoes and hurricanes and everything, but the worst possible thing you can imagine, even though the earth itself be moved and you move it out and the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. Even the waters are at war. Even in those times, we're going to go to verse 4. Ready to read with me? Here we go. There is a river 
whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The nations raged, the kingdoms removed. He utters his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. There we go again. Oh, think about it. Think about the words you just said. Let the music keep playing. Let the singer stop singing. Oh, what a great God we serve. He's in the midst of her. That, that, that concept is strange for the people that are reading this because there's no river that goes through Jerusalem. They know that's called the city of God. There's another city of God they're not familiar with, and that's the spiritual city of God. There's the river of the Spirit of God that flows right through the midst of her. He's going to help her, and early he's going to help her. All right, where are we at? We're on uh, verse 8, right? Okay. Oh, well, hold on. Verse 7. Now, forget that. The Lord of hosts is with us. Remember? That's the host of angel armies. But like uh, Brother Mark Morgan spoke about, that can be the host of everything in this earth, grasshoppers and molecules and every possible thing, or the host of heaven, the host of all of his power and ability. All right, here we go in verse number 8. Come behold the works of the Lord, who made desolations in the earth. I'm sorry, I'm reading differently than you all. He maketh wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Okay, pause just a minute. Desolations in this situation, in this verse, is referring to how God can crush empires for his people, shut down wars, breaks down their weapons, burns them with fire. Come and behold how God just destroys the ungodly. Wow. Okay, here we go. We're on to verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Woo. Boy, I tell you what, I want to just raise my hand for a moment. I've got to thank him. In the face of fear, I don't care how big the fear is. It doesn't matter how powerful the fear is. If the fear is that the entire world is going to be gone and destroyed. The God of Jacob is with me. The Lord of hosts is with me. He's with me. He's in this place. Mm. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That be still is not to, not to be quiet and put your finger over your lips. It's not to freeze. But it's to cease from fear. Stop from opposing him. To lay down your arms and surrender. That's what that is. Be still. Whew. And know that he's God. And you know what? That's funny. The whole passage we read was, was the psalmist talking until we got to that verse. And God interrupts. And he starts to speak. And then he's the one that says, be still. And know that I'm God. Wow. Well, that's a great introduction. Had nothing to do with the paper. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in my life. I... I and somehow that is the center of what I'm going to talk about. No matter what the category of the fear that's in your life, no matter the fear that comes against your mind and your heart, because fear comes against us, no matter who you are, 
you, you can experience fear. The most, the most wonderful Christian, most wonderful follower experiences fear. Because that's a, there's a spirit of that as well, of fear. But that passage is the encapsulation of what we have to do. We have to recognize, Lord, if it all is gone. If the worst happens, if the worst the enemy is saying to me is going to happen. If the mountains fall into the sea. If my life is gone. If all I've built up is destroyed. If my children do something else I don't want them to do. It doesn't... That's not going to be my last story. You are going to help me and write early. You are in the midst of my situation. There is a river that makes glad the streams of the city of God. And you dwell with me and not, not in some place in Jerusalem. I've got your, your spirit in my life. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is my refuge. What a strange thing for the Lord to say. That's not, this is not even in my message at all. I've got to, boy, I've got to get back to what my notes are at. Real fast. He had a lot of options. He could have said the God of Abraham is with me. Well, that's kind of tough to live up to. Abraham, a mighty man of faith, built altars, trusted God, didn't have any directions and no GPS and no mapping services, and said, the Lord said, I want you to go to a place. I'm going to show you where you go. Start walking, and I'll send you there. What a man of faith. Could have said the God of Isaac. You know, Isaac had his problems, but at least, you know, he was, he was the child of promise. He was a promised child. He represents the spirit. He could have even said the God of Israel because that was Jacob's name was changed to, right? It, that kind of makes more sense. I mean, why would you say the old and bad name and the name of the person that struggled and the Jacob, the guy who deceived and was deceived by others and who was so fearful? He was always fearful. He even told Esau, yeah, I'm going to go with you after they, they had kind of made up. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to follow you, and you just lead on, and we'll, I'm going to come, come behind slowly. But then when he got up to the spot he's supposed to be, he went a different way. Fear was pretty much Jacob. Of course, his name was changed, Israel. The Lord said, you've prevailed with men, and now you prevail with God. So when I say the God of Jacob, I am finding the God of the character with the most weakness in the Bible, the person that had the most fear, but still he's a God of Jacob. I'm thankful that he's still a God of Jacob for my life. I need that God for me. I'm not sure I can handle the God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel. I'm glad there's a God that sees me and understands my struggle. And the psalmist said it like this, you seeth my frame. He remembers that I'm but dust. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that love him. Okay, that's not on my paper. You're saying, hey, Brother Scott, go, go to the paper. I'm trying. It says struggle. All right. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Because I, I feel it in my heart that I can't, I can't, I'm not able in my humanity to express exactly what fear is trying to park in your life and live in your mind Find a place to, to be in the corner of your brain. I, I, I can't even say what tomorrow's fear will be. Feeling fear is like feeling hunger. That it comes at you. It's what, what are you going to do with it? You could eat horrible things. You could eat something good. Feeling fear is something you just feel. You feel that comes on you. It's what you do next what matters, right? 
You can't control whether you don't feel fear or not. Things happen to you. And then sometimes things are reminded of what's happened to you before. Sometimes fear is built upon the possibility of a thing that happened before happening again. There are many, many people that struggle with that. A marriage partner that had a problem with finances and being honest before, and they're fine now, but something just shows up and all of a sudden fear takes over and says, oh yeah, what we used to have happen is now going to happen again. All those kinds of things. Fear has a way. The Bible says that sin, remember he said this to Cain? Sin croucheth at the door. Look at that crouching. What is that about? That's, it. That's looking for a time to spring up. And that when you walk out of here, fear at some point will spring up. What do, now what do I do with it? And I can give you a lot of verses and a lot of direction that God's given me. But nothing, nothing's better than Psalm 46. Nothing's better than, Lord, here's, my, here's the fear, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go one up on the enemy. Yes, even if that happens, and ten things worse, and if I lose my entire life, it's all gone, it, it falls into the sea, still the Lord is with me. God is going to help me. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to look to him. He is the one that helps me right early. He's the one that's with me right now in this situation. The Lord of hosts is with me. The God of Jacob is my refuge. I'm going to run and hide in him. Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm telling you right now, that that may be worth the price of admission. Of course, you probably didn't pay anything to get in here, so there you go. All right, so here we go. We're starting with the concept of breaking fear. To break fear is to be released. To break fear is to be released from the power or hold of fear. And fear can hold you. Fear can control you. If you allow it, the enemy will be happy to hold you with fear. But Jesus delivers the captives in Isaiah 61. So what does the Bible say about fear? A search will show that there's good fear in the Bible, the fear of the Lord, that that's awe-inspiring fear, a fear of God, a fear of his power, a holy dread, like a, like a, like a massive bonfire that's 40 feet tall and 40 feet around in a circle. Just, you would just say, oh my gosh, it's so big, that's so powerful, it's so mighty. It's not that you're afraid it's going to hurt you. You recognize its power. Just just think of John on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation, how he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and turned around and saw Jesus Christ in his glorified state. Such power, such might, such brilliance, such beauty that John lost all strength to stand and fell down to the ground flat. And the Lord gave him strength to get up a little bit, get up on his hands and feet. or I'm sorry, his hands and his, his knees, just to kind of crouch there first to get a little strength. That's the power of God. That's the fear of the Lord. Now, the other fear, though, or the evil fear, is a tormenting fear over time or results in being timid or timidity. Godly fear, according to Psalms 111, is the beginning of wisdom. It produces blessings like life, rest, peace. It's a fountain of life and gives security and safety, according to Proverbs. 
That is godly fear. So it's difficult we use that same word, fear and fear, and mean two different things. There's a, there are little differences in the original language, but that's how our, our language works. We've got to be careful to make sure we have the right ones separate. For instance, look at 2 Timothy 1 and 7. I love the Amplified version here because it amplifies some of those words. For God did not give us a, a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. You see, those are that versions of fear that's not godly. But he gave us a spirit of power and love, of calm, well-balanced mind, and discipline and self-control. That goes all into the sound mind. That's when you take sound mind, amplify it, all those words come out of that phrase. Jesus addressed fear in Matthew 10. Now look what he says here. Don't be afraid of those that kill the body, but can't kill the soul. I, I would love to raise my hand and say, Lord, I believe you, but I'd like to keep my body for just a while if I could. It does make me a little afraid to think about persecution. It does bring fear on me to worry, to think about, Lord, stand up for your name. And I, I've just, you know what, I've never been in that position to say, here's my life, I'm going to serve the Lord. I hope I, I'll, I'm sure I'll do that, but it still is a fearful thing. But the Lord says, Fear him instead who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And then he comforts us by saying, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Well, not today. No one buys and eats sparrows. Thank God. If I come to your house and you serve sparrows, I will be very unhappy. Please don't do that. And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore... For you are worth, you're more in value than many sparrows. Okay? So, he does give us instructions. There's certain things to be, a, to have a holy fear about. And that's, in a sense, pleasing to God. Walking about, realizing I could lose my life today. I want to be able to stand before God and be ready. Be ready for him. To hear, well done, a good and faithful servant. And not hear that I have been unfaithful. I've not listened to him. So, but he puts that focus back on, hey, I, I see your life. You're valuable to me. You matter to me. What you're going through matters to me. Can you see how the focus of those two fears are opposite? One fear is looking at the Almighty One, and the other fear is looking at the worst possibilities. Do you see that's a focus? Much of our fear has to do with that focus. Most of the time when we have the tormenting fear, it's focused on the worst possibilities. What could happen? What happens if? Well, what happens about this? What could happen? And then godly fear, or following the Lord, is focused on looking at the Almighty, how much we matter to Him. Now, I put this note in there because it matters. There is a spirit of fear. And some fear in this world is not controlled only by thinking the right way. You can think the right way, and there's a spirit of fear that can come against you. That's a different thing. You've got to fight that. Without, you don't have the ability to do that on your own. You've got to fight that with godly weapons, spiritual weapons. You've got to come against it in the name of Jesus Christ. You can't think your way out of that one. Okay? The world seems full of things to be afraid of. We all know that. It doesn't, doesn't take much right now to know that. 
There's war, there's inflation, there's anger, there's destruction, there's uncertainty. Now, these things have always existed, it seems like, but we can read about them every day. Now, now in our new world, we can read about them, we can see them, we can, we can feed on them constantly. Any fearful thing you focus on, listen closely to this part because we do this. Any fearful thing you focus on will become hyper-magnified in your mind. For example, 90 people a day will die in car accidents in our country. And that can keep you from ever getting into a vehicle. But you have to remember there's 335 million people in this country. There are bad things that happen. If I focus on them, it will keep me from ever doing them. I can lock myself up. I can't. Fear wants to do that to you. The enemy would be happy to do that. Fear can make you run when no one's running after you. No one's chasing you. That's Proverbs 28 and 1. Fear can be self-fulfilling. That's Job. He said, what I feared came upon me. Fear can be self-fulfilling. If you, if you focus on fear long enough and feed fear long enough, you'll say, see, just what I was afraid of. Exactly, they did it. They did it. I, that's what I thought they would do. They're going to do it. I thought I could trust them, and man, see, they didn't. They they failed again. Sometimes what happens is when we're doing that kind of holding on to that fear, thinking about that fear, entertaining that fear. After a while, we produce a certain circumstances that make what we are thinking about to become fulfilled. See, they're going to leave me again, like everybody else leaves me, and you don't realize that you're driving them off because you're holding on to fear. Fear can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Bible says, and I need to find out where the Bible says it because I've lost myself. There I am. The lie of fear works like this. If I maintain and hold on to a certain level of fear, then I'll be safe. This is the lie of fear. This is not true. If I stop being afraid for one moment, disaster will catch me off guard. Isn't that shocking to see it like that? It doesn't make sense, but that is a lie of fear. That I've got to be afraid or disaster will catch me off guard. As if me being afraid up here can keep my children safe. As if me being afraid up here can keep my wife and I in our house and protected from, a, from attack of the enemy. As if my fear can keep me and my business or my loved ones or my health safe. But that's a lie of fear. That if I don't let, if I let go, disaster can come and hit me. Now, I'm not saying that's, we're not talking about godly wisdom. There's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is looking at a situation and saying, okay, these things have happened before. Let's, this is wise to do that. Here's what the right thing to do in this situation. That's not fear. Fear from the enemy is tormenting. It controls. It works on our emotions. Amen. But that's not God's fear. Look at Psalm, 19, or Psalm 19, verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean or pure, enduring forever. That's God's fear. It's clean. It's pure. It's wonderful. It's precious. So what should we do with our fear? What should you and I do with our fear? King David took his fears to the Lord, and he was delivered from them. Oh, I love that passage, Psalms 34 and 4. I sought the Lord, 
and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. This is the basic answer to ever tormenting fear and the best thing anyone can do. Let's do it again. Let's break it down real slow so we all get it in our heads. I sought the Lord. That's my part. He heard me. That's his part. And delivered me from all my fears. That's the result of my interaction with him. I love that. That's the thing I've got to do. It's shocking how few Christians do that about their fears. We often go through life with fears, not even realizing all the fears we have. There are fears of our getting outside our comfort zone. There are fears of taking another step. There are fears of thoughts that come in our mind and hold us back because of how we've been rejected before in our, our past, how our childhood or our, our, our previous time before we knew the Lord, or even our failures, how those have kept us back. We're, many of you are afraid in this building to commit to the Lord because you know you failed the Lord. That is not the fear of God. That is not God's intent. Can someone else say right or amen? There we go, a couple of them. I just feel like that's the Lord calling us and speaking to us. And I want us to get that message, understanding. God, help us. When I, when I understand I have fear, I need to seek the Lord. He'll hear me. The Lord reminded his people thousands of years ago. He reminded them. He said, and he's telling you today. He says, I'm with you. I'm helping you. And I'm holding on to you. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's something I can't say. I can't say, oh, don't be afraid. Because that would kind of be, oh, it's kind of like, well, Scott, you're not afraid of spiders. So you can't say, don't be afraid. You're not afraid of roller coasters. Well, you know, actually, that's changed a little bit. But remember, we used to have this all the time from Grandma, from Mom Hutz. I don't know where she's at right now. But when Jen and I were newly, when we were dating and we got married, Mom Huttiger would call us on the way to Six Flags. And she'd say, um, or, 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 or tell us the day before. And she would say, hey, guys, I just want you to know there was someone who died in a, a Six Flags roller coaster in Dallas, they fell out, and I'm just so concerned about you guys. And I don't want, I want you to be careful. Scott, don't, like, put your arms out or anything, or just, like, you know, like, go crazy in the, because people, they, this guy died. And it was so sobering. It's like, man, we're going to go have a great day on a roller coaster at Six Flags. And she, she's so worried. That happened a lot. Now, she's gotten over that. I don't think she rides roller coasters still. And unfortunately, um, when I took my kids to, what was it, Kings Island, right? Was that Kings Island? Yeah, I think it was Kings Island. They have massive roller coasters. Anybody been there? It's like this huge stuff that shoots up. And for some reason, you know, I was like, Jen, you know, I, let's try a couple of these. And I just felt less, less cavalier. I don't know what it was, just getting older or wiser. I did go on one, and I mean, I was like, they said, okay, Dad, you got to put your hands up. Hold your hands up. I did that for like a second, and I was saying, Jesus, Jesus, bleed your blood. Jesus. And I was coming around that turn and going around. And boy, I tell you, that was, I was, I got off of that shaking and thought, you know what? I, I'm old enough now. I don't have to do that. I don't think I want to do that. I made all kinds of excuses why I didn't, that didn't really apply to me anymore. 
Uh, but fear can get your in your mind and your heart, and it's hard for someone else to say to you, don't be afraid if that's not a fear that's working in their life. Don't be afraid for your kids. Don't be afraid for your job. Don't be afraid for your health. Well, they said it's easy for you to say, you don't know what I'm, what I'm thinking and facing. But God can say, fear not, for I am with you. Because see, when we leave here, we're not going to be with each other. And even if you're in the same household, you're not in someone's mind and, and spirit. But the Lord is, fear not, he says, I am with you. I'm holding on to you. I'm your refuge. I'm covering you. I will strengthen you. That's a promise. You should, if you have a problem with a fear, any kind of fear at all, you should underline that verse and say, Lord, your scripture cannot be broken. That's what you said. You said that heaven and earth will pass away, but your words won't pass away. So, Lord, I'm underlining this one right here. You said, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's your words, Lord. I, I'm going to stand on it, believe it, and expect it in Jesus' name. Wow. So what did David do? Here's David. He fought his fear about thinking about the differences. Let's do a contrast comparison. Remember that? What was it? I don't know, fourth grade, fifth grade, maybe more. Maybe it was just last week. Compare and contrast. This is what David did. I'm going to look at God's power and man's limited power. What did David say? I trust in God. I am not afraid. What can mere people do to me? Yeah. What can mere people do to me? He said, look at what God can do. Look at what man can do. Now, let me tell you, David, in Psalm 56, man can chase you around the desert trying to kill you. Yeah, he said, that's true. But I'm trusting in God. I'm not afraid. What can mere people do to me? They can throw, they can throw me out of my home. They can, they can hunt for my life. But, but if God is for me, who can be against me? And God is covering me, covering my mind. Now, there is a secret place you can run to. It's not that bunker you guys are building beneath your, your garage. You think that's funny, but ask Jeff Hudiger about bunkers. We had a week, I don't know when it was, Huts, was it like two or three weeks ago? He, he, he was in, I don't know how many houses he appraised that had bunkers, and I mean serious bunkers. Bunkers that I think the better word for it is bonkers, just crazy people. There's, he, he, appraised, he was at this guy's house that, um, wow, he lived on a humongous amount of acreage, far from anybody. He was going to sell the house, but he had this bunker that had like steel walls. They were like a foot thick. He had little cutout sections where he could put a rifle through and shoot somebody. I mean, nobody cared about him or his, you know, three months of supply food or whatever, but man, he had a bunker. And then, I, honestly, Jeff had like three bunkers houses in the same week. A lot of bunkers. And there's a lot of bunker business. People <laughs> pay a lot of money. They'll come and dig you a bunker. You can go down there and survive and live there. Be ready and survive the apocalypse. Well, what, is there a secret place in the Bible? I'd like to find it. Let's find out where it is. Okay. The secret place is this, Psalms 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, ooh, now that's a place, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's a spiritual place. 
I will say to the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. You want to talk about a fortress? The Lord is a mighty fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Most of the problem with fear is you're not trusting in him. I'm not talking about the spirit of fear that comes upon our life or wrecks us or attacks us. That's not something of your own doing. Often, and many times, the spirit of fear, of fear in general is not your doing. But after it gets a pull to your mind, you have the option to keep it there, to feed it, you entertain it, pull out a chair, let it sit at the table. The problem is we've got to trust in him. He is my refuge and my fortress. What's verse 5 say? You're not going to fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day. I'm trusting in him. I'm trusting him. All right. Fear of faith. Fear of faith is really at the root of everything, isn't it? I mean, these are the two things that we've really got to work out. It's either fear or it's faith. Those two don't mix very well together. They don't go so well together. You can't have both fear and faith at the same time. That's your blank, by the way. They don't, they don't mix. I'm sorry, no, it's not. But they both have a risk. It's close. I almost, I almost got you there. <laughs> they both have a risk. Fear has a risk, and faith has a risk, right? What if something goes wrong? That's fear. What if God comes through? That's faith. Both demand you believe in something that you cannot see. Both demand you believe in something you cannot see. Both fear and faith. They both have a risk. Now, fear destroys love. Fear kills hope. Fear will bind up your mind, and fear will create anxiety. Proverbs 29 says it like this, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Wow. Thank you, Lord. You see the difference here? That, that, that verse shows a gorgeous comparison and contrast. The fear of man. What can man do? And the fear of God. Putting your trust in the Lord, you'll be safe. The scripture says this, have faith in God. Think about that phrase just for a minute. Think about that phrase. Now, you all have, in a small measure, faith in me. You have faith that I don't teach very long. And you know that about 725, 730, I'll be getting out of here. Of course, you weren't there for that first message. Because, I, I, man, I borrowed all my dad's notes I ever had, and I, I preached for whatever preaching, preached for an hour and 45 minutes, so I just ran out of steam. Thank God. I've been, going, I've been doing less and less over time. <laughs> you, have, you have a small measure, of, you have some faith in me, that I'm going to talk about the Bible. And you have some faith in me that I'm not going to say bad, profane, nasty words up here. Why do you have that faith in me? Because I have a, a little bit of a track record. You've heard me before. You have an idea. That's a tiny piece. Now think about God. Think about his track record. Think about his ability to come through in situation after situation after situation. Think about his ability to rescue people that can't be rescued. That, that is the heart of what faith is. The idea of faith is realizing what he does, who he is, what his character is. He loves you. He thinks about you. He has so many thoughts about you, the psalmist says, that they're more than can be counted. I mean, you can't number them. That's how much he's thinking about you. 
God loves you individually. The Bible says he'll leave the 99 and come find the one lost sheep. And you know what I realize? That's not leaving the 99 in the sheepfold. That's not leaving the 99 all safe and put away and everybody's all here. That's my mental image. That's how I thought it would work. All the 99 are put away and they're all here and they're all counting them and they're all behind fences and they're all nice and safe. And then he goes out to find one. Oh no, that's not how it is. No, there's the 99 out in the open. And he leaves them to go find the one. That's how much God cares about you. God, God cares about the individual. He does not just love the group. He does not love his church in, in total and not really care about you in specific. That's not true. We have a God that loves you. When you understand that, you start to think about Jesus' a simple phrase. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. All that means to me is I'm going to look at his track record. Now, I, I can do this little story. And if I think about this, this is the perfect example of an opposite of fear, but it's not faith. Imagine, just for a minute, I could jump back in time. And I could take the place of one of those three Hebrew boys, the three Hebrew men that were facing that blazing furnace. Okay? Just imagine I just step back in. I don't know whether I'm Meshach or what my name is. But I'm in, I'm in that spot. Okay? I'm with one of the three guys. All right? The moment that, that the king comes and screams in my faces, and he, his neck is bulging and he's so angry, you're going to bow down to this image or you're going to die. I, I wouldn't smirk, but I have a hard time showing any signs of anxiety or nerves because I know how the story ends. See? Yeah. When, when the big, beefy guards grab a hold of me and their arms are in, around me and their, their thumbs are digging into my neck and they're pushing me over to where the fire's at, I might think, you guys are going to die in a few minutes because I know how the story works out. I do. When they, when they finally make that fire so hot, seven times hotter, that, they, that the guys who are, who are outside, far enough outside, protect themselves and throw me in. They die because of the heat. I would just roll into that place, put my hands up, and just raise my hands because I know how the story ends. I, I, I'd probably just be remarking, looking around at the fire and imagine I am in a blazing furnace and nothing's happening. Wow, I would just be worshiping God. There wouldn't be one minute I'd be worried. Fear wouldn't have any part on me at all. There'd be no, not even a touch of fear. As I know how the story ends. When I come back out, and the king and his advisors are all looking at us and trying to see if there's any smoke or any singed piece of clothing and just saying, oh, now we believe. And there's a fourth man in the fire. I know how the story works out. Now, unfortunately, that is not faith. Because I know the ending. Faith doesn't know the ending, right? But I promise you, one day you're going to be in heaven, and you're going to look back at your life, and you're going to say, oh, God, I didn't realize that you were right there with me in that story. I was so scared. I was so afraid. My life, I thought I was losing it, and I didn't see that you were right in the middle of it. If I would have known, Lord, I would have had a lot more faith. I would have just been... God, I believe you. I trust you. Now that I see how it worked out, oh, I, I, I just believe you. So what do you and I have to do today? We have a decision in our hands. I've got a choice to make. Am I going to believe him now 
before I get there and trust him and say, Lord, by faith, I believe you're going to live, you're going to direct me, you're going you're to make, make me go through this. I know you have a plan for my life. I can't see it. You have a plan for the situation. I don't know what it is, but I, but I have trust in you. I am going to have faith in my refuge. I'm going to have faith in the fortress. I am going to find myself that secret place and hide there. Oh, Jesus. That's what I'm saying. That's the beautiful thing I'm saying. Now, here, let me, let me, please, let me take away one part, one little piece. Remember Charlie and the chocolate factory? Remember that? Remember he got the golden ticket? Remember the golden ticket? He could go to go see Willy Wonka. You know that? I, I want you to understand, getting the Holy Ghost is not a golden ticket. Getting the Holy Ghost does not mean a free ride. You, you, you avoid jail. You get 200 bucks. You go straight through. Life is beautiful. There is no sickness. There is no problems. Nobody rejects you. Nobody is mean to you. No problems ever happen. That doesn't happen in this world, right? The Holy Ghost is an earnest of my inheritance. It's a down payment for up there. Right. It's the up there that I'm going to inherit. That's what I inherit. Not, not here. So God's taking me through might look like taking me through fire. You know what you, here's, that, that's the choice you have to make. Am I going to trust him? even if he decides to take me through this thing instead of taking me around this thing? Am I going to trust him? And, and that's when you're back to Psalm 46. Here we go again. Lord, even if the earth removed my house is on that earth and it's gone, even if the, the roaring of the waters, they roar and they trouble, and that's my family, even if all my finances and all my health is gone, you're still my refuge. You're still my fortress. I'm going to trust you. And it's amazing how God will take that person and that level of faith and bring them through in some gorgeous, shining way that brings glory to him and his kingdom. I mean, you think about it. In my mind, you should at least have your stuff together before you start telling people about Jesus. But let's go and visit Paul in prison. We didn't even have a coat, and I'd ask for someone to bring him one and say, this guy definitely is not living the good life. He, he has no freedom. It's not American jail. It's not nice and clean and beautiful. And yet, he's trusting God, and God is through that bringing glory. He's writing the, some of the epistles you read today. The Holy Ghost is having a way through that worst of times. Wow. I hope I didn't mess up your Willy Wonka Christianity theories, but I'm just trying to tell what the Bible says. I really am. All right. I am coming. I'm drawing to a close. I'm not sure what that means when they say that because they never draw to a close when they say that, but I'm, I honestly <laughs> am. All right. So... Simon Peter directed the saints to give him all their cares. That word cares means worries, anxieties, thoughts. He said, casting all your care, every bit, upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Oh, I like that. I can do that. God knows that his people have fear. He told Isaiah, 
to shift their attention to him and not the enemy. Listen to it in Isaiah 35. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He'll come and save you. God's going to come and fight for you. That's what he's saying. Now, wisdom is not fear. I mentioned this before. Wisdom is making the right choice over something we can control. But fear is being afraid of something we cannot control. That's why it's fear. Jesus invites us. Give away our life. Give away our life. Or give away our ourselves. Give away our our our. I'm sorry, give away our life or our cross. Cross is the right word there. I've got the wrong word there. Give away our life, ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Jesus invites us to die, to give away our, our own will, those choices. To measure ourselves is what I have up there on the screen. I'm not sure why I do that right now. I'm trying to think what I meant when I wrote it. That had to mean something important. Hopefully it was really awesome and wonderful. I don't know. Boy, Scott, you wrote something great there. I'm going to figure it out one of these days. Measure yourself. Okay, well, maybe we should measure ourselves to realize that we've got to give away our life, take up our cross and follow him. I know one thing is for sure, that when I have control over myself, I refuse to deny myself and follow him because I want to hold on to some things. Fear has a hold upon me in those situations more than anything else. But most of the time, the number one reason you have fear in your life is you've not denied yourself. You've not come to the altar and really killed yourself. And I know that's hard to do. To say, Lord, the Lord talked to me about this just, just a few days ago. I can't lay on the altar and just rest for a little bit. It's not a place of just being inconvenienced. The altar is supposed to be a place of death. Death to what I want. Death to me. We must realize, oh, you know what? That's what I have. Look, I have measure and deny Ta-da! And the light just came in. Okay. Or deny ourselves in the previous blank and measure of faith for every one of us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. He answers prayer. <laughs> we must realize a measure of faith that every one of us, and with his spirit, we can break, hold, break the hold of fear. Now, I've had a good time tonight, and I hope you have too. But I want you to understand, fear is a very serious thing. It's a very real thing. If, I, if you and I could have the eyes of the Spirit right now to look over every life here, we would see people that are one way or another held back by fear, inhibited by fear, quieted by fear. The enemy would like to shut down your mouth to stop your praises to stop your testimony, to stop you just talking about God. And and one way he can do that is by fear, fear of how people will respond, fear of rejection, fear of what if I slip up again, fear of myself, fear of failure. Just to feel those fears, they will bind you up and hurt the church and hurt our lives. Only thing I can say to do is, is do what the Scripture says. God is my refuge. God is my strength. There is a hiding place. There's a secret place I can hide in. Stand with me right now, would you? I want to pray over you. I want you to pray over your life. I want you to be honest with God. I want you to talk to God and say, God, if there's fear in my life in any area, 
would you show me? And you might already know immediately. I want you to be honest with God. Open your heart for that right now. And God's going to, we're going to do what David said. I took my fears to the Lord. He heard my cry. He delivered me. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, you are a holy, mighty, wonderful God, and yet you love us so much. Your love is undeniable. I believe right now there are people, honest people in this building, Lord, who have fear in their life, and they're calling out to you. What if it doesn't work out that way? What if I never have the thing I'm praying for? What if I never get to do what I want to do? What if it never goes my way? And fear wants to bind them up. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now in your name, I rebuke every spirit of fear. I take authority in the name of Jesus Christ, in your power of your word, your power of your name. I bind up every spirit of fear and command it to leave in Jesus' name. I lose peace, the peace that passes understanding in the minds and lives of people right now. And I pray, Lord, I challenge your church to go to an altar and say, Lord, at this altar in my mind, I'm going to put to death the what-ifs. I'm going to put to death that what if that thing I'm praying for and hoping for doesn't happen. I'm going to surrender to you. And Lord, you, you handle it. If you want it to be my life, give it back to me. If you don't, Lord, I'm going to leave it with you. Come on, someone, right now. Just take a second right now. We're here at the very end. Don't, don't miss it right now. Don't miss the move of the Spirit. Lord Jesus, talk to us, Lord. Call us, Lord. See, Lord, the darkness in our life and the spirit of the enemy that likes to bind us up. Do a work in us and through us, I pray, in the holy name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.